You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. When we're looking at Abraham, we want to start right at the beginning. The reason we start right at the beginning is because what we're going to see over the next 45 minutes or so is a man who had absolutely incredible faith. You know, he had outstanding faith. And, and because of this man's faith, the God in heaven, as we're going to see tonight, gave this, this man, Abraham, a series of promises. He promised him a land and he promised that Abraham's descendants, his seed, the children that he had, would be made into a great nation. Now you might be thinking, you know, why does the promises made to Abraham have anything to do with ourselves? Why do we need to know? Well, as we said, these promises were made specifically to Abraham, but by extension, we too can become part of this, this hope that Abraham was promised as well. Our God, in his grace and mercy, not only provided a hope and a way of salvation for Abraham, but also opened up that way of salvation for us as well. And that's, that's why we're here tonight, because we want to have a look at the promises made specifically to Abraham, but also by extension ourselves. Now, the record of Abraham's life is really covered from Genesis chapter 11, uh, verse, uh, from verse 26 right through to Genesis chapter 25 and at verse 10. But other books in the Bible, specifically uh, Galatians, deal quite extensively with this, this man and the promises that he was given. So let's start right back at the beginning. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 26 to 32. What do we read? Genesis chapter 11, verse 26. Well, we read that Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran, uh, we read, begat Lot, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And we read that Abram and Nahor took themselves wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscar. But we read Sarai was barren. She had no child. We keep reading that Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So we're told quite a bit of this, this, this life of, of Abram and his upbringing straight away. We're introduced to a man, as we said, named Abram. We're introduced to some of his relatives as well. Now, Abram is the same person as, as Abraham, as we read of throughout Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, tells us that his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. Neither shall my, thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Now we're told in, in, Hebrew, in Genesis chapter 11 that Terah had three sons. And one of those boys was named Abram, coming from a Hebrew word meaning exalted father. And he married a woman named uh, Sarai, and her name means my princess. But coming down to verse 30, look what we read. And this is, this is, this is very important to set the scene of, of, of what life was like for this couple. Verse 30, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Why is it important for the record to tell us that Sarai had no children or the fact that she was barren? Well, friends, it was to show us that faith was going to be key to these promises that Abraham was given. And it was faith that will allow these promises to be fulfilled. And what we're going to see in Genesis chapter 12 is God promising Abraham a huge inheritance and descendants that would be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Now, if Sarai was barren and she had no children, well, how could that be? 
well, Abraham and Sarah would have to wait for a child. It would take an immense amount of faith for them to wait. And the child that Abraham and Sarah would have would happen when he was 100 years old. He would have to wait in faith. Now we're told in Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 that Terah took Abram his son and Sarai and Lot and they went forth with them from their country, Ur of the Chaldees, and we read that they went to go into the land of Canaan and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Now it's interesting to note, verse 31 tells us that Terah took them out of the country to move them to a different dwelling place. But why was it that they left Ur in the beginning? Well, the answer is given to us in Acts chapter 7. Let's turn up Acts chapter 7, verse 1 through to verse 4. This is the reason the family decided to leave Ur right back in the beginning. Acts chapter 7, reading from verse 1. Then said the high priest, are these things so? So this is, this is Stephen answering here. He says, men and brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham, unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelled in Haran, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into their land, wherein ye now dwell. You see, that's interesting. From this, we see that God called Abraham before he left Ur. That's why the family left, because the God of heaven appeared unto Abraham and says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family, I want you to leave your kindred, and I want you to come follow me. That's why the family left. Was Abraham's faith great from the beginning? Well, not really. It was being developed. What did he do after he heard God's call? Well, God told him to leave his country. Did he leave? Well, yes, he did leave, but God said that he should also leave his kindred. Did that happen? Well, he left half of it behind. Lot still followed him. God said that he should leave his father's house, but he took his father's house with him. Abram's leaving, you see, friends, Abram's leaving was not his own decision, but the decision of his father. Because what are we told back in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31? And it was Terah who took Abram, his son. So it was Terah. Who took Abram? We don't know why Terah was willing to go. Perhaps Abraham had said, well, Dad, you know, God's called me. I have to follow him. Perhaps Terah went along because of the love he had for his son. We're not told. But what happened after Abraham followed his father and left? Well, we read that they stopped halfway. They didn't quite make it to, to Canaan. He stopped in Haran, we read, and dwelt there. The word dwell in the Hebrew means to settle. So they intended on staying in Haran. And what we see, friends, here is that Abraham didn't fully understand at this point in time what God wanted with him. He didn't know why God wanted him to leave his country and to leave his, his family. And so he only went a short distance. He didn't know why God wanted him to leave uh, his kindred, and so he brought them along as well. As a result, we read that he ended up in Haran, verse 31 and 32 of Genesis 11, and it was in Haran that Terah, his dad, ended up dying. So why was it that God asked Abraham to leave his country and to leave his family? What was it that God had with this man? Well, we're told the answer in Joshua, Joshua chapter uh, 24, verse 2. I think we've got it on the screen here. He was called to receive some promises uh, from God. But he was also called to remove himself from the temptations and the idols that they served. And we read, Joshua said unto the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers 
dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. So idol worship played a big part in the one true God asking Abraham to move away. I want you to leave behind everything you have, Abraham. Everything you knew, including the idol worship, I want you to leave it far behind and I want you to follow me. This new God that Abraham listened to chose to communicate directly with Abraham, something he wouldn't have experienced before this time. Now at this point in time, Genesis chapter 12 verse 4 tells us that Abraham was 75 years old. Okay, 75 years is a long time for someone to settle into their ways. 75 years old, you get quite stubborn sometimes in the decisions that you make. This, this was a massive decision for Abraham to up and leave and take his family. It was a life-changing decision. He was 75 years old to uproot himself, to leave behind everything he had ever known for that 75 years and to follow someone who, who, who happened to pick him up out of the crowd and say, I want you to follow me. You're the man, Abraham, that I want to make these promises known to. You see, God invited Abraham into a new relationship with him and set him and his family up for life. What's the lesson for us? Well, friends, it's never too late for ourselves to submit ourselves to God. You see, God has a will and a plan and a purpose with every single one of us. We just need to be willing, just like Abraham. You see, friends, if, if Abraham had chosen to stay behind, well, nothing would have happened. But he made a choice to leave and a choice to follow a God that he didn't know much about, but he believed. Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10, tells us that by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place, which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. He went out, not even knowing where he was going. By faith, we read, he sojourned in the land of promise. He sojourned, we read, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, his, his, his future sons of the same promise. And the reason? Well, he did it because he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he left his country in faith because he believed in a God he couldn't see, but wanted to place his trust in. And so we come down to our reading for tonight, Genesis chapter 12, and we take up the record in verse 1. Abraham, or Abram, is still in Haran. And what are we told in verse 1 of chapter 12? Well, we're told that God calls Abram again. You see, Abram had only gone halfway. Now, we need to note in, the, uh, in the, the record you've got in front of you, this is the second calling of Abraham. The, the authorised version, the King James version, adds in the word had. Okay, So the original Hebrew translation of this verse actually states, now the Lord said unto Abram. The first time that God called him was actually in Ur of the Chaldees. Now that Terah, his father, had died, God approaches Abraham again. And he repeats the same message that we read of in Acts chapter 7. You know, Abraham had perhaps come comfortable again in Haran. And God says, get thee out of thy country again. Get thee out of thy kindred and from thy father's house and come into a land that I'll show thee. God is essentially saying to Abraham this here, this is the last time I'm going to offer this to you. It's to your advantage if you go. And just like us, our God has given to each one of us a hope of eternal life. Just like Abraham. And God has said to us, he says to us, that everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. That's essentially what Abraham did. And it set him up for life. That's the hope we have, friends, if we surrender ourselves to God and give him our total commitment. Well, what was Abraham promised if he obeyed God? 
and made the journey into the land that God was going to show him. Well, look what you read in verse 2. The first three words are very important. And I will. So this promise that God was about to give Abraham, it was a conditional promise. Conditional on the basis that Abraham had to do something before he received it. It hinged on the fact that Abraham would obey God. And I will make thee. So this promise that God was about to make Abraham was actually comprised of four different sections. And we've got them on the screen there, found in verse 2 to 3. The four sections of this promise, God was going to make of thee a great nation. God was going to bless thee, make his name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. We're told that God said to Abram, bless them that bless thee, I'll curse him that curseth thee. And finally, the fourth section, in thee, shall all families of the earth be blessed. So the first one, I will make of thee a great nation. This is what we call a national promise. Okay, so the conditional promise that Abraham received was obviously conditional on the fact that he obeyed God, left behind his life and followed God. The first promise that Abraham was given was a national promise. And the nation that God is speaking of here is, is none other than the nation of Israel. We know it's the nation of Israel because Abraham was the forefather of the Jews that we see in the land today. From Abram, or Abraham, through his eventual son Isaac, we can trace the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And it's this nation that God was talking about. It's this nation that God intends on making great. Now when we go through our Bibles, we can see that this nation of Israel almost, almost became a great nation under the days of the kings, especially King David and King Solomon. But because of disobedience, this kingdom was, was eventually destroyed and the Jews, our historians tell us, were thrown out of their city. The kingdom was eventually destroyed by the Romans in AD 70, and they were dispersed throughout the whole world. It was only until 1948 that the Jews finally made their way back to the land of Israel. Little by little, they keep returning back to their homeland, and as we said, 1948, they were declared a nation once more. Now, when we think about this nation of Israel and this promise that God made that Israel would become a great nation, it's never really been fulfilled, has it? At no stage has Israel been a really great nation. As we said, even during the glorious time of Solomon and, 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 and David, there was divisions and there was problems. But one day, God has said, I will make of thee a great nation. God has promised that his people would become great. Look what we read in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 21. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. The people of Israel will only be fully regathered after the return of the Lord Jesus Christ back to the earth. And we're told this in Ezekiel chapter 30. Actually, let's turn up Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 21 through to verse 23. Israel will only be fully regathered after the return of the Lord Jesus Christ back to the earth. Ezekiel chapter 37. Um. <clears throat> Ezekiel 37, verse 21. The first section of this promise, the national promise, will only be fulfilled in the restored and regathered nation of Israel. And we read uh, from verse 21 
Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone. So this is a prophecy of what was going to happen. Israel would be scattered. And God's saying, Well, one day I'm going to take them from among the heathen, where they're gone, and I'll gather them on every side, and I'm going to bring them back into their own land. And I'll make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore. They won't defile themselves anymore with idols, nor detestable things, nor any transgressions. But I will save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. Come back a chapter and look what we read in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22. I'll read from the ESV. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations. And I'll gather you from the countries and bring you again into your own land. So one day, friends, the nation of Israel will be fully regathered back to the land of Israel. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns and sets up his kingdom and rules as king, only then will they become a great nation. Well, the second part of that promise, coming back to Genesis chapter 12, is what we call a personal promise. And it's personal in the sense that this promise relates directly to Abraham himself. It's in contrast to the national promise. We read, I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. God's talking directly to Abraham. I will bless thee and I will make thy name great. Now it's not fulfilled as yet because Abraham is dead. It involves just the one man. And although God did bless Abram during his life, this promise has yet to be completely fulfilled and will only be completely fulfilled at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 8 verse 11 tells us that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Abraham will be honoured for his part in these promises. But in order for Abraham to receive this part of the blessing, well, there needs to be a resurrection from the dead for this man Abraham. We're told in Matthew chapter 22, verse 31 to 32, But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. And so Abraham honoured and obeyed God during his lifetime by choosing to leave his family, his country, and to follow God. And so God, in turn, will give Abraham a place of honour in the kingdom when Christ returns. And friends, if we believe God's word, the Bible, this is a massive encouragement for us. That one day, too, we, we too might be rewarded if we remain faithful and obey God. And as we'll see a little later, if we believe these promises that were made to Abraham, well, by extension, the promises apply to us as well. Well, coming down a bit further into Genesis chapter 12, we read of the third section of this promise made to Abraham. It's a communal or a family promise. The reason for that is, is because it's for you and I. This is the promise that relates directly to us. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. What do we mean by that? Well, it's quite self-explanatory. Those that bless Abraham will be blessed. Those that follow in his footsteps will be looked after by God. These people are spoken about as his seed. We're given a massive hope in Galatians chapter 3. Look what we read. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
He says, those of you that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. He says, there's neither bond nor free. There's no male nor female. Because you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ and want to follow Christ and are baptized into Christ, well, he says, you're Abraham's seed. And not only Abraham's seed, but he says your heirs or inheritors of the same promise. What we're being told here, friends, is that anyone who blesses Israel and provides for them will receive a blessing. But more importantly, those who embrace Abraham and take his promises to heart and choose to follow Abraham's God and all that he stands for will one day too become part of the worldwide family of God. But on the flip side, there's always a but. Those that curse Abraham and curse Israel and despise the things of God will be themselves cursed. And history has shown us, hasn't it, over the years, those nations that have come up against Israel, you know, Babylon and Edom, two nations spoken of in the Bible that came up against the Israelites. Well, they no longer exist today, do they? They were punished by God because they persecuted the Jews. Only recently, in modern times, Hitler's attempts to exterminate the Jews, well, look where that got them. The Germans today are still paying royalties back to the Jews for the atrocities of, of World War II. You think about the nations, friends, over the course of history that have come up against Israel over and over again. How many of these nations are still the huge superpowers that they once were? Abraham's descendants, Israel, are God's chosen people. And we believe that they are witnesses firstly to the existence of a God because Israel still survives today. And secondly, a witness that the promises God has made to Abraham and by extension ourselves, the Gentiles, will absolutely come to pass. You know, for years and years, people have, have been wondering about this little nation called Israel. What is it about the Jews? What is it about the Jews that they continue to survive against all the odds? You know, you can't help but notice, can you, when you look at the nation of Israel, and the nations, as we said, that have come up against them, far mightier, far powerful nations than Israel, they no longer exist. Empires have come and gone, risen and fallen. But this, this minuscule, often despised, still despised group of people still exist today. They, they refuse to disappear into the history books. Why is that? Because they're God's people. I mean, you look how small... In comparison, I'm not sure if you can see it there in the middle of the map. You look how small in comparison that little nation of Israel is compared to the country we live in. You know, war after war, obstacles after obstacles have been placed in front of this little nation. Countless threats from all sides by the Arabs. And the only reason, the only reason for their survival is because God has said, you Israel are a holy people. He says, you belong to the Lord your God of all the people on earth. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. Why has God chosen this nation to be his special treasure? Because he promised to Abraham that he would receive the blessings if he obeyed God. Is it little wonder that by all human calculation, this, this nation should not exist today, is it little wonder that this nation is a witness to an incredible divine God and his promises for mankind? And friends, those nations and those people that stand for Israel and embrace the promises that has been promised to Abraham here, well, those people too will be rewarded by our God. Well, the final aspect of the promise is found uh, in the last phrase, coming back to Genesis chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 3, section 4. 
and we entitle it an international promise. It's a promise for all nations. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And friends, what it does is anticipate the time when the Lord Jesus Christ will reign over the whole world at peace. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 states, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall go unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let us go up to the house of the God of Abraham and Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. You know, that's the most important section of the promise. Through Abraham, all families of the earth will be blessed by God. And the Apostle Paul states that this is the essence of the gospel. And we're told that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel of Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The blessing is offered to both Jew and Gentile. And our God, friends, has made it available to all mankind through faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, Abraham's future seed, is at the very centre of these promises. Psalm 72 verse 17 tells us his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. All nations shall call him blessed. And it's worth noting that parts of this promise in Genesis chapter 12 are repeated quite often throughout the rest of the record of Genesis. Genesis 18 verse 18, chapter 22 verse 18. It's repeated in chapter 26 verse 4 and chapter 28 verse 14. Actually, let's turn up um, Genesis chapter 22 uh, verse 17 to 18. And we see here this promise to Abraham, Abraham reiterated. Genesis uh, chapter 22, verse 17 to 18. And the promise here is, is told again to Abraham, and the emphasis is on the future seed that he would have. We read that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand upon the seashore. That's what your seed's going to be like, Abraham. That's what your children are going to be like. They're going to be innumerable. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Well, because you've obeyed my voice. So that, friends, is a, is a brief rundown of the first promise that Abram, or Abraham was given by God. If he left his country and went with God, not knowing where he went. It was, it was conditional, as we said, on the proviso that he obeyed and acted in accordance with the will of God. And we've got a summary of the, the promise there on the screen. Should we be able to get them all up for you? There's a summary of this promise of Genesis chapter 12. So coming back to Genesis chapter 12, come down to verse 4. Look what we read. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So he's 75 years old when he's making this, this massive life-changing decision. Come across to Psalm 105 uh, while we're here. Psalm 105. What we're going to see in Psalm 105 is the fact that this promise as we said in Genesis, was conditional on the fact that Abraham upped and left and, and believed God. But once he was in the land, this promise was, was confirmed. Psalm 105, reading from um, reading from verse 9. Okay, said so once Abraham was in the land, God confirmed this promise with him. It was going to happen. The covenant we read he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree. He confirmed it to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. 
when they were but few number, few indeed, and strangers in it. So God has said, well, because you've upped and left Abraham, you've followed me, I've given you these promises. It's now unconditional. You've done what I've asked. So coming back to Genesis 12, look what we read in verse 7. God appeared unto Abram again and says, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So as we said, no longer was this promise conditional. Uh, it, was, it was unconditional. Abraham had taken the step. He'd, he'd left his comfortable life. He'd cast off all the shackles. He'd cast off the worldly lifestyle that had bound him and, and he dedicated his entire life to following God. But as we said, as yet, he had no child and, and Sarai, his wife, was, was barren. So that was a promise to Abraham too that one day he would have an heir that would carry on his name because in order for the promise to be fulfilled, in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, he had to have a seed to, to continue on his name. Well, continue on with, with this, this life of Abraham. Come across now to our second reading tonight, Genesis chapter 13. Here we read that God had blessed Abraham just as he promised. And we won't go through um, much of Genesis chapter 13, but we read that Abraham, we're told in verse uh, 2, that Abraham was now, or Abram, he was very rich. He was rich in cattle. He was rich in silver and gold. And, and, and Lot too, his, his traveling companion, he was, he was blessed as well. We're told that in, in Genesis 13, uh, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 6. But the problem we have here is that this increase in cattle and goods and, and, and companions had caused strife between Lot's herdsmen and, and Abraham's herdsmen. And it was resolved by Abraham suggesting that, they, that maybe we need to part company, Lot. Maybe you need to go one way and I need to go the other way. And so Abram gave the choice of the land to Lot. He says to Lot, Look, if you want to go down there, well, I'll go up here. If, if you want to go up here, well, I'll go down there. You choose Lot. And so Lot made the easy choice. He went down and took his men and his animals, we read, down to the lush plain of the Jordan River near the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was an easy choice because there was plenty of water, there was plenty of grass, and the lifestyle suited Lot. The problem was it was a move that almost destroyed Lot's entire family. We're told that the men of Sodom were wicked. They were sinners before God exceedingly. And God, we later read in Genesis, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. And it was only by Abraham's insistence that Lot and some of his family were allowed to survive. Abraham, on the other hand, verse 14 of chapter 13, was once again spoken to by God after Lot had left. And here we read one of the most important promises found within the Bible. It was a promise of a land that he would inherit forever, where his promised seed would dwell, and one day all those who are faithful, including ourselves, would be granted everlasting life. Look what we read in verse 14 through to verse 17. We won't uh, read it in full, but essentially God has said to Abram, after Lot was separated, you know, lift up your eyes and look northward, southward, eastward and westward. Everything you see, Abraham, everything you see, I'm going to give to you and to your seed forever. And not only that, I'm going to make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if you can count the dust of the earth, that's how many your seed will be. And so God, friends, made these promises to Abraham. Not only would Abraham's family become a great nation, they would inherit a land. Abraham's descendants would be given a land forever. And God encouraged Abram to walk through it. Now what he could see of the land from that vantage point would have been quite extensive. It was a, a, quite a panoramic view. But the promise was not only limited to the land that Abraham could see, Why is that? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham was in fact promised the world. We're told, um, the Lord God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are on the face of the earth. Um, not that one. Oh, this one here. For the promise that he should be 
heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So we're told that not only Abraham would receive the land, but he would um, receive the world as well. And so we're told back in Genesis chapter 13, to thee will I give it. Okay, so God's directing this promise once again to Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would inherit the land himself. But God also says, and to thy seed. Now that's you and me. Why is that you and me? We'll see in a minute. God had already promised the land to his seed. Now he realizes that both Abraham and his seed would inherit the land forever. What we now realize, friends, is that both Abraham and his seed would have a promise that they could they could aim uh, towards. And here is the key to the understanding of the promise and all the promises that God had previously made Abraham. The promise, however, says that they would inherit this land forever. How could a mortal man inherit a land forever? Well, there is only one explanation. He must be raised from the dead and given immortality. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it's great news for us, and we're going to let the Apostle Paul explain to us in, in Romans because Paul devotes an entire New Testament chapter in his epistle to the Galatians on this topic and to explain the importance of this promise. Come across to Galatians chapter 3 with me. And here Paul explains these promises in more detail and how they relate specifically to you and I. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 16. Now we read in verse 16, and this is just a fascinating section of scripture. Now to Abraham and his seed, okay, so we can read you and I. Now to Abraham and to you and I were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Paul is 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 showing that a careful reading of the Bible reveals that God has promised the land to Abraham and to one specific seed or descendant. And he now explains who that one seed is. And we read, and to thy seed, this is a singular word when we look it up in the Greek, which is Christ. Okay, So we understand that God promised the land to Jesus Christ and Abraham forever. Once again, reaffirming that the fulfillment of these promises hinged on the resurrection of Abraham from the dead. And Paul agrees with this because he says in Acts chapter 26, verse 6 to 8, he says, I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto the fathers. And that's the hope of the gospel. He says, why should it be thought in an incredible thing with you that God should raise the dead. Luke chapter 13 verse 28 states the same thing. In that place, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you shall see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. So there has to be a resurrection for these men to receive the promises. So here we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament speaking of Abraham being in the kingdom of God even after his death. Abraham absolutely, friends, has to be raised in order to see these promises being fulfilled. So coming back to Galatians chapter 3, look what we read in verse 26 to 29. This is just absolutely brilliant. Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29. Verse 26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So what's that saying? Well, it's saying that we also can become the children of God. By faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, what do we read in verse 27? Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry that thou... Uh, sorry, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What are we told there? Well... Our faith motivates us to obey God's commandments. And the first thing we must do is to be baptized. Why? Because baptism 
is the way in which we identify with Christ. We lose our old identity and we put on Christ. We become one with our Lord Jesus Christ. And God sees us, as we're told here in Galatians, God sees us as being in Christ. What are we told in verse 28? We've looked up uh, verse 28 before. There's no Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. What are we being told here? Well, Paul shows us that it doesn't matter what race or rank or gender or or person you are. You're all going to have equal status in the Lord Jesus Christ through baptism. God has made one provision for a whole multitude collectively to become one in Christ Jesus. And verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3, what are we told? If ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. By baptism, friends, into the Lord Jesus Christ, we become incorporated into that one seed that we're seen in, in Genesis chapter 12 and 13. Now, although we're not natural descendants of Abraham, we're told that we become his seed through faith and baptism and heirs according to the promise. These promises that we've looked at tonight can absolutely include us. The Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, we become heirs of the promises which we will inherit as well. Now, just quickly in conclusion, Abraham had to have had children in order for these promises to be fulfilled. And we read of that, that Sarah, uh, her barrenness, the fact that she couldn't have children would have been an extremely hard trial for both of them to bear. And so he uses, Abraham uses Sarah's handmaid to provide a seed, Sarah's servant to provide a seed. And from Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, we read that Abraham has a son called Ishmael. And from Ishmael, you can trace back the Arab people. The Arabs weren't the promised seed, however, that God had promised. It wasn't until Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, that God approaches Abraham and tells him that he would finally have a son through Sarah called Isaac. It was 25 years later, friends, 25 years later, when Abraham was even older, that Sarah and Abraham were finally gifted a son called Isaac. All of which is a great reminder for ourselves that it's never, ever, ever too late to submit ourselves to God's plan for your life. Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah 90 when Isaac was finally born. And it's little wonder that we read this incredible statement of faith about Abraham and Isaac in Hebrews 11. Let's turn this up in conclusion. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith he went to live in the land of promise, he lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob. They were heirs of the same promise. The reason he went, we're told, was because he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised it. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, we're told. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them afar off, and acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And so, friends, although not detailed, hopefully tonight has gone some way into showing you a bit of an insight into, I guess, the life or the early life or the, the late life, I guess you could say, of, of, of Abraham and, and the promises that were made to him. He was a man who was prepared to leave everything behind because he trusted and, and believed in his God. He's an incredible witness 
to the authenticity of the Bible and the evidence of a God in heaven. Israel is God's people. They They are Abraham's seed. And the fact that they remain in the land today amongst all the adversity and all the trouble is a true testament to the fact that there is a God in heaven and that this God in heaven has a plan and purpose with this earth. Acts 3 verse 19 to 21. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and God will send Christ which was before preached unto you. That's our hope, friends. Whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. This passage not only tells us that God is one day going to be sending the Lord Jesus Christ back to the earth, it tells us why Jesus Christ has to return back to the earth. And the reason for this is that he has to establish all that God spoke by and through his holy prophets, including fulfilling those promises to Abraham. In other words, he is coming to fulfill the rest of God's Old Testament prophecies. And those Old Testament prophecies, which we don't have time to look at tonight, include the fact that Christ is going to set up a kingdom on this earth and grant eternal life to all those that choose to believe in him. Israel is a pretty powerful nation, friends. But it will be even greater when Christ returns, as Abraham is still yet to receive the land and see his promised seed. Abraham and Israel are absolutely incredible witnesses that God does have a plan and purpose for this earth, and these promises have to be fulfilled also. We just need the confidence and the faith of a man like Abraham to believe that our God will follow through with his word. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.